Good morning, afternoon, or evening, everyone, and welcome to Rizoo, the Zoo Review Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Baker, and I am joined today by my fabulous co-host and fellow passionate zoo lover, the incredible Jodie McFarlane. Say hello, Jodie. Hello, everyone. <laughs> slightly less enthusiastic than usual, slightly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, presented by Pangolin, the conservation podcast, this sister show promises to explore, appreciate, and highlight some of the fantastic conservation work of zoos from around the world, while also offering a perspective on the visitor experience. On today's show, Jack will be talking about his experience at Sea Life Loch Lomond, a small but mighty aquarium set on the banks of an iconic Scottish landmark. So, let's get started. So yes, thank you very much for for joining me today, Jody, to discuss my trip to Loch Lomond Sea Life Centre. I think I haven't told you this before, but I'm going to read directly from their guidebook to get us started. Oh, exciting! We're going for a professional start. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hate this. Are you swimming comfortably? Then let's begin. <laughs> so that is. <laughs> So that is the opening line of the guidebook to Sea Life Loch Lomond, uh, which we will be reviewing today. And I think the perfect start uh, to today's little resu. Um, we're going to be talking about my trip there. Um, and yes, I really, really enjoyed it. It was just to sum up in one line, just to get us started. It was a great, nice, small but really interesting, really great trip that we run in through today. As always, I'll kind of run us through all the different bullet points of all the things that are there, and we'll kind of um, go through each point and our my journey through the aquarium step by step. Jodie's going to be asking me all the questions she has about the aquarium, and then at the end, we will round up with my two stars and a wish. The two things that I loved, and oh, we can make it two starfish and a wish for this one. <laughs> Getting in all the fish puns that we can. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Two starfish and a wish um, that we, uh, so the two things I loved and the one thing that we could thought they could maybe change or update or do a little bit differently. So uh, yeah, uh, I guess to get started, um, just to introduce, Jodie was not here for this trip. So she is going to be asking the questions today. But before we get started, have you got any experience of Sea Life Centres before Jodie? any of the other ones that are around yeah I've been to a few I actually haven't been to Sea Life Loch Lomond although I don't know why because it's like the main um a sort of official sea life centre in Scotland but I've never been um I have been to some like down south and things so yeah I've been to some um but I'm not as well acquainted with them as perhaps other aquariums so yes I'm very interested to hear what you thought of it mm-hmm yeah, I was the same. I've been to, um, I'd never been to Sea Life Lock Woman before. I had been to the one in London. And I think that was the only other Sea Life Centre I'd been to. And obviously the one in London sets the bar very, very high because it's mm -hmm. the capital of the UK. So they obviously put a lot of effort and resources into that place. So I had high expectations going into this. And it was part of the reason my family aren't always animal people uh, because I've dragged them around so many places, um, <laughs> kicking and screaming whether they want it to be, if it was pouring rain or whatever. Um, we, I dragged them around. So they're not always the easiest to convince to come to these places with me. But for this one, I used the kind of London Aquarium was so high quality, so nice, so many resources have clearly been pushed into it. This is going to be a great experience. And I think overall... Um, it didn't let me down on that really. Um, Good. it was it was really really nice and yeah. Um, not to give too much away, I really really enjoyed my time at Loch Lomond. 
Good. It's going to be a, a positive chat today then. Yes, I think so. I think so. So yeah, I guess I can let you take over. What is the, the first thing you want to know about Julie? Well, what is the my first, first question, Jack, would have to be, were you indeed swimming comfortably when you began your journey? <laughs> <laughs> I was swimming comfortably when I began my journey. Uh, Good. It was Excellent. very, very nice. Um, yeah, so I suppose first thing then would be first impressions. So because, you know, we like mm -hmm. to talk about the whole visitor experience. Um, last time when we were reviewing Chester Zoo, we had a whole rave about the car park before we even got onto the <laughs> zoo itself. So what was your first impression of the whole site as you were arriving? Yes, so it's kind of a strange one because it's placed right on the banks of Loch Lomond, um, which is really, really nice. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, I should say Bonnie, Bonnie place. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. I had never been and seen Loch Lomond before. I'm not a true Scot, but I am now. I've, I've been now. And it's placed in this kind of beautiful, amazing place. And walking up to this strange building on the shore is fantastic. The only thing I would say is it's a bit, it's placed in a weird place. Like you walk up and there's a, a kind of shopping centre right there and it's oh. it, that makes sense because there'll be it'll draw people in but it's kind of a shopping center slightly removed from what it feels like the town so it's clearly designed to be like a little touristy spot there's a crazy golf so it was kind of a weird first impression me trying to understand what exactly layout the council or whoever had planned these buildings were going for because it was a very mm. strange mix um but to from be the fair outside, though um just to cut in before you move on from that point i thinking now about other aquariums that i've visited quite often they're in sort of odd spots or maybe a little bit hard to find and they're sort of tucked away and you know maybe from the outside it doesn't even necessarily always look like an aquarium so they are kind of odd buildings on the outside um, and I suppose the magic lies within. <laughs> <laughs> that is very fair that is very very fair and it is yeah once you get in there it is it is lovely and like the aquarium from the outside looks strange i thought it was kind of it must have been a repurposed building but i think it was actually mm. custom built to be an aquarium um and the architecture is bizarre but once you get in there it, it kind of makes sense a little bit um i think my one comment about the design from the outside was i think this building was designed to look nice on the outside without necessarily thought on how it would function when you got inside it because it's this big round space which is good and it's nice and it's a big empty kind of hall in place in parts it's got like this huge roof and all sorts of stuff but and it looks nice from the outside but functionally it doesn't necessarily I would say use the bet make the best use of space inside and like the pathways are all a little bit weird and I don't know we'll get into it as we get in but yeah that's my mm. first impression looked nice strange spot yeah that was my okay. first kind of impression cool. so then you you got past that you got in the building um what was the first bit of the experience like with reception and first impressions inside and all that mm -hmm. so we had to book tickets in advance and what i would advise is screenshotting your tickets or um trying to i don't know have them printed out or something before you get there because trying to get them up on my phone in a big concrete box didn't mm -hmm. work very well so just be aware but when we got there the woman at reception was so nice she pointed she did say like oh it is um you can sometimes struggle to get signal in here so it's there's no rush whatever um and we did go on a monday so it was nice and quiet and we had that chance to chat with her and it was very nice um and yeah she gave us the guidebook no problem and um, there was nice little flyers and there really wasn't much to be explained um there was no map or anything to be handed out which i thought was a bit odd and again will come up a little bit throughout but yeah, overall, it was a nice first impression. The woman who worked, she seemed to be working the gift shop and reception by herself, so she can't have had an easy job. Um, and she was still <laughs> being lovely and cheerful and friendly. So really, really nice. Really, really friendly. 10 out of 10 
reception gift shopping skills from her um Good. really, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um in terms of the map then you know because that's something that we used to come up against at deep sea quite often because we didn't have a sort of little paper map to hand out necessarily mm-hmm. we did have one within the guidebook if people wanted to buy that and there were sort of big poster maps on the wall and mm-hmm. people used to be a bit confused by that when they first came in but then it becomes apparent as you go around that you don't necessarily need a map did you think that was the same for Loch Lomond or would you have benefited from a map Okay, so there's no map in the guidebook, which I thought was interesting. The guidebook is very high quality and I like it and it's got lots of good pictures, lots of good facts, lots of good information about what they do as a um, with the Sea Life Trust and all sorts of things. Really nice, but no map. There's no maps anywhere, really, as you go around. She did explain of like when we went in that there's a cinema on one floor, there's a viewing point on another floor, all this sort of stuff. But to get around the aquarium-based like live exhibits, there was no map and it is small. But it isn't always clear. I think it, there's a couple of things that are tucked away that it would be really easy to miss if you weren't paying attention. So mm. just, yeah, just be aware of that. Because it was kind of at the point where you have to exit, you have to go through this amazing tropical tunnel. Um, but it's so tucked away that if you didn't know it was there, you you just would you'd be walking around like, where is the exit? Because it's kind of in between this big round tank and the like rock pool area where you could go up and ha- like see the animals up close with the person standing there hmm. um but there's no it's not like it, it's so it's kind of tucked in between these two things and you have to make your it's a, an odd layout so yeah i think it would have benefited more so than other aquariums from having a map because i almost think deep sea world where we worked yes it is a similar size but it is kind of one big open kind of not cavernous space, but big space where you can kind of see everywhere where you need to go at once. And mm. it, there is kind of routes to go around. And I think since COVID, they have implemented a one way, which kind of helps you get everyone around. But this does, isn't like that. It's kind of a like lots of little tunnely bits, which can be a bit, you, it would be easy to miss a section, basically, mm. if you weren't paying attention. Yeah, I know. And the yeah. thing with that is that because aquariums tend to be smaller, uh, there is an argument that you just wouldn't need a map because you will get round without one and I think as well aquariums they tend to sort of change the layout of things or change where certain species are a lot more than zoos will because obviously it's easier for aquariums to do so Um, so mm. maybe there's the argument that their map would change so often that it's not worth printing one out but knowing the public as we do people mm. just love a map they just want a map <laughs> They will always want one, even if it's like one room worth of stuff. They want to know what everything is and where it is. They like a map. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I see what you're saying, that it would be helpful just with with simple things like how to get out. <laughs> that might <laughs> <Yeah>. help. <laughs> yeah. And like there was just, yeah, it was maybe just uh, like I would I would put it down to lack of direction or lack of whatever. But it just it wasn't the most intuitive. And I imagine on a busy day, we obviously were there where it was very quiet. So there wasn't mm-hmm. a necessarily a flow of traffic. But yeah. on a busy on a busy day, maybe it would be more obvious because you'd see where people were going. But for us, when it was quiet, it wasn't the most intuitive necessarily. There were staff around who kind of were nipping between tanks and feeding things that we could have asked. So, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it is nice to have a map in case you're in case there isn't anyone around at the time you need to find. So, yeah, yeah. that would be my thought on the the map situation uh, going okay. in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so map issues aside, you found your way in. You find yourself in the first part of the aquarium. What was your first impression in that first area? Tell me all about it. So you walk in and there's this wall, this waterfall. And it's it's strange because it's running down glass. And you think, well, what is that? And then all of a sudden you see 
through the like the water trickling down the glass this little otter running around um, oh. which was an excellent first impression you walk through they're kind of all over the place there's three of them running backwards and forwards grabbing food playing with each other jumping in and out of the water we didn't actually see that till i made the family go around twice obviously the second time around they were all kind of in and out the water which was very very cool um very very nice um so that was kind of the first impression and i think opening with otters is always a strong strong uh message i think opening mm-hmm. with cute is always a good thing to do uh yeah <laughs> especially i'm just in a gonna say where... that because obviously yeah. at the zoo you have that you go in and the first thing you're hit with is meerkats so i think when you pick mm-hmm. a family favorite as the very first thing that people see when they go in it hooks people right away mm-hmm. especially when they're munching on so i think we just timed it perfectly that they were munching on something they were kind of playing <laughs> around it was good they might be chill more times but they didn't seem that way i think the one <laughs> there's a fact in the guidebook i'm going to reference back to which i love it's a full page worth of guidebook and this is an a4 sized guidebook which is um cub loves to play with balls dig and pinch things out of the staff's pockets so i can't imagine they're calm very often um <laughs> i'm going to show jody the picture you won't be able to see this listeners but very very cute oh. very very cute um but yeah so first impressions were very very strong um yes. with the it's asian short clawed otters that they have and they're very very sweet um mm. a family favorite Really good start. Really interesting space. The The cool thing was that because the waterfall ran down, the water ran down the glass and into the pool. So the glass kind of extended down into the pool. So you all had this kind of underwater otter viewing as well. So when oh, they were okay. jumping in and out and kind of swimming around, you could see like the trails of bubbles coming off them. I tried very mm. hard to get a photo. I did not do it very successfully, but it was really, really cool. And really, really interesting. And something you don't see, like you always see penguins underwater viewing or you see mm. kind of, other animals that crocodiles or frogs or whatever you can kind of see sometimes underwater viewing but you don't get that often with otters so I thought it was something unique that I hadn't seen before really nice really cool really really liked it um and yeah a really good first strong first impression I think yeah um so what did you move on from uh, move on to from there so yeah next to that kind of tucked to the sides on one side you had dogfish and kind of some other yeah kind of sea bass on one side i think it was and dogfish on the other and in one of the dogfish tanks was an albino dogfish which was really strange because these animals are often or for people don't know what it is it's kind of a long thin brown shark um covered in spots dark brown spots and they kind of are quite hard to spot sometimes but you walk in Mm. and this thing was bright white and pink um and it was really cool it was really something quite unusual um maybe wouldn't work very well for camouflage out in the wild but for an aquarium works pretty well very impressive Mm. and then also there was a wall of sea bass next to them uh, I, I've written on our notes I don't need to see another sea bass in my entire life um, <laughs> I did see that in the notes I appreciated that because I share that sentiment <laughs> um, that is purely based on the opinion that I have worked in an aquarium I have seen thousands and thousands of sea bass and it's not that they're not not important and it's not that they're not interested it's just that I've seen them so many times four Mm -hmm. years of my life were spent telling people about sea bass so (laughs) it was really I don't they're not something that I need to uh, appreciate but they are quite big impressive cool fish when you have when you weren't exposed to them um for four years they are quite cool so yeah there was the sea bass wall yeah and it's good that obviously it's uh it's native species so it's then highlighting that as well but yes uh, yes, I share that view about the sea bass so moving swiftly on from them (laughs) uh, what was the next highlight (laughs) yeah so um I feel like we're really whizzing through but that was kind of also the the pace we were going at we stopped for a long time at the 
the otters but then also we were kind of moving at a pace and I don't know whether it was just kind of us kind of getting through and doing things but yeah you kind of are quite excited to see more which is kind of what this discussion is like almost because we're going through quite quickly and the next thing we came to was the locks so obviously based on the bonnie bonnie banks of Loch Lomond as the song so famously says uh, I would sing but I don't want to get sued and I don't know who owns that so we'll just keep it very simple <laughs> um, so yes they had a lock area which was really nice because it had a lot of freshwater species which you could see theoretically in the lock which were really, really nice. I think it's good to highlight. And I think what I love, like with the Highland Wildlife Park, all these places that highlight local species, as well mm. as the big impressive megafauna, I think is really, really important. Um, mm. Especially when Loch Lomond is a very touristy place and you're at a tourist attraction, it encourages, I think, people to take care of that beautiful national park that you're, you're in and you're exploring because you see some of the different things that are around and about below the surface. Because obviously mm, you absolutely. can see birds and whatever it is that are flying around the loch. But not a lot of people will go swimming or scuba diving in Loch Lomond. Certainly wouldn't recommend it at this time of year because it'll be freezing. Um, so it's nice to highlight these different species. And yeah, it was really, really cool. You kind of, they have these tanks that I almost miss them because there's the there's tanks kind of at a lower level for kids to obviously see. But then above them as well, they have tanks kind of along the top of this section. Like th There's a lot to look at and a lot of different species in there. And mm. yeah, really nice to highlight scottish local species i think um yeah 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 and what you said there about because obviously a lot of scottish aquariums will highlight native species that you have all around scotland mm. but i think it's good when they make the most of their local area as well because there can be a difference there between you know native species and local species so if you're located somewhere iconic like loch lomond acknowledge that and sort of reference it and, and really make the most of that and make a point about it which it sounds like they did so that's good um, and I also like what you said there about how they had tanks on different levels, because that is something I think that's really important in an aquarium, because if you've got kids, they need to be low down. Otherwise, they can't they can't see anything. And parents are constantly having to lift them up and kind of lean them over the edge of tanks, which, as we know, is, is not good and <laughs> um, nope. can lead to all manner of problems. Um, but then at the same time, you know, adults don't want to have to be kneeling down all the time. So I think that's good that they've taken into the account the different levels and things. It was really, really nice. And yeah, and it was a nice kind of something that, again, highlighted all the different levels was the next thing you came to. You kind of came to this big curved tank. Now, it wasn't a full tunnel. It didn't go full tunnel, but it was kind of up and curved. So you kind of had this huge wall of um, rays. And I think, is that where the bream were? I think there was sea bream and, uh, and other species like bass. I although prefer <laughs> bream. I don't know if it's a debate that's out there, but if there is big bream fans out there, <laughs> uh, I'm team bream um for that um there's so it was a nice big curved tank that obviously younger people could see because it was right there there were steps up to it there was also a curve over so parents older people could stand back and see and there was i think quite good signage behind it as well that was something to highlight actually talking about signage they had um electronic signs at a lot of things which were okay. kind of going through a slideshow which i think is a very clever idea because as things change and get updated you don't then have out of date signs that tell you about a species that the aquarium or the zoo or whatever doesn't have anymore mm -hmm. so it was quite nice i think um i would have liked maybe a little more information on the slides on some of them but generally they were a good and i think can be updated quite quickly if needs be and they kind of manually scroll through so mm. yeah just a side note on signs there but oh yeah that was another well, that's good because we as we've discussed before we love 
signs I <laughs> love, love it when there's signs and they're you know informative and they're relevant and I think it's good having the sort of digital aspect it makes it a little bit more interactive as well um, mm, so I feel like yeah. going forward that's the way to go for zoos and aquariums because then as you say it takes away the problem of if things are changing location often then you're not mm. stuck with old signage that you just paid a fortune for that now isn't relevant to the tank that it's next to so something like mm. digital signage that can be changed often I think is uh, a good move going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think what's quite clever about the way that the aquarium is themed overall and what we're talking about signs is that the signs can obviously change easily with the digital things, but also the theming was it's like they picked general aquarium was the theme. They, mm -hmm. There was either concrete kind of rock work type features or wooden crate work features, which again, if things change over time, they don't need to update that because it's not like here's a really specific reference to the Caribbean or to yeah. the Maldives mm. or wherever it is. It's a kind of generalized theme, which kind of works quite well. And then within the tanks, they can then theme it up specifically for whatever species are in there. It, but the outside theming, um, kind of where the signs were, was kind of this general rock work, crate work type theme, which worked mm. quite well I think, um, for everything that was going on. So, yeah. Um, I'm just going to keep talking. Sorry. I, I know Love you're it. here, <laughs> Jodie, but you you're weren't just, there. <laughs> you're just taking us on the journey. I'm just appreciating it. I'll, I'll throw yeah, so, in questions as they come up. <laughs> so the next point on the journey um, was the seahorses and pipefish. And oh, love them. Love them. Love them. Big favourite of mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Seahorses, always fantastic, always lovely, always charismatic. Pipefish are related to seahorses. So a nice mm -hmm. equivalent to have there that is perhaps less popular. Um, and really, really cool. And they had a nice film playing about um, in this area about turtle conservation because we were about to come onto a sea turtle, which was quite cool. Ah, but, okay. Um, I was so about to say, like why nice is there kind of turtle thing. conservation going on next yeah. to the seahorses? <laughs> so, but it, like, they had the conservation highlight in this area. They also had um, information about the seahorses, about everything that was kind of um, that their conservation work that they do. I think there was a sign up um, at one point that said they bred 994 seahorses at some point. So, wow. That, impressive that's a lot of seahorses um mm. although we've seen seahorses give birth and that's maybe like one well, or two goals because there are hundreds of those things come out um yeah. at once um but yeah so i and i don't envy the person who had to count those 994 um i'd probably no. I, I don't think i'd have the willpower to do that so yeah we had um that kind of experience which was good um seahorses yes always a favorite i think the family loved the seahorses they loved mm. they were a bit less taken by the pipefish because i think Oh, I, mean, I love pipefish. They are an underappreciated <laughs> fave, but I absolutely love pipefish. Um, mm -hmm. I just think they're so cool and so cute. And obviously there's like that sort of link there to the seahorses and the seahorses were always my fave. So I just, mm -hmm. do you know where I think this came from? It's because when we were at Deep Sea, I feel like every day that I was ever there, it was me that did the seahorse feed. And so mm -hmm. I just ended up like... I don't know in my mind like me and the seahorses are one like they're just my thing if I was any marine creature I would probably be a seahorse um perhaps not the best because they don't tend to have the best survival rates and things but I just feel like in my heart um I'm there for the seahorses so the pipefish by extension they're like they're the cousins so yeah no I'm I'm repping for the pipefish what a shame that the fam didn't like them 
<laughs> yes. Uh, tell us at home, are you team hashtag team bream or hashtag team pipefish? Uh, <laughs> you, this is uh, what happens when you work in aquariums. You end up with very strong, passionate opinions about really random things that normal people would be like, please get a life. But if you're listening to our podcast, then I feel like you're our kind of people. So you'll understand the passion about random things. And one of mine is pipefish. So there we go. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I, enough of that rant. Moving, yeah. moving swiftly on. <laughs> moving swiftly on into the Bay of Rays, which also featured turtle. Um, so, <laughs> yes, um, we moved through into the Bay of Rays, which is a big round tank, which uh, seemed to have a bit of a current going. There was a lot of fish swimming very quickly um, round and round. Um, it had Scotland's... I want to say Scotland's. It says on the guidebook somewhere. I'm not going to keep... It's either Scotland or the UK's only cow nose rays. Um, and they were quite bizarre. They kind of... They look like a regular stingray, but if it had just swam into some glass and <laughs> kind of smushed itself, um, that's kind of the vibe they're giving off. But it was quite, it was huge, the ray, and it was really quite impressive. And in there with the ray was a turtle, which has, I I think I love April, the sea turtle. I felt very bad for her uh, when I heard her story, but I, I like what they're doing at the aquarium. Be prepared for your conservation message of the day, because I may go on a ramble about why we need to stop um, getting dumping plastics in our oceans because poor April was tangled up in plastics and netting. Um, she had lost one of her uh, flippers, so she couldn't swim properly. Mm. She was she get she because of all the plastic and being tangled up and all these things, she'd gotten a lung infection, um, which has affected her buoyancy, so she couldn't sink. So she was rescued in the Maldives had a lot of work done I think to her and then she was shipped across to Loch Lomond where she now lives very happily um and I think yes normally I think sometimes having sea turtles in aquariums I I don't know like I it's one of those things I don't know if you can breed sea turtles in captivity so they have to come from somewhere and so there's always this question when you go to somewhere that has a sea turtle where has this come from Mm. um but this seems like a really just reason to have one in the conservation messaging and the fact that if april was left out in the wild with missing a flipper um and all of the problems that she would have she would be easy pickings for predators and also she wouldn't the lung issue is meant that she's not buoyant properly so Mm. she wouldn't be able to sink to get food so she would this is it and this is where i think um you know often you you get the argument that people don't like zoos and aquariums for whatever reason but like examples like that are a perfect example of why they can be so valuable and like earlier you were mentioning the albino dogfish was it um Mm. and it made me think of the penguin that we have at edinburgh zoo who's i can never remember how you say this is it leucistic leucistic or leucistic i'm not too sure um but basically he's like gray it's called snowflake like gray feathers um rather than black and one of the problems there is that obviously as you said about the dogfish camouflage out in the wild then wouldn't be possible and so you know the animal would be easy picking so when you've got animals who have got injuries or these conditions that mean that out in the wild they just wouldn't survive you know i guess survival of the fittest they just they, they wouldn't um for whatever reason if they've got places like zoos and aquariums where they can come they can then live a long and full life that they just wouldn't get naturally out in the wild and so that's a really good example i think to highlight why they can play a really important part in giving a certain animal a lifeline that they wouldn't have otherwise. Exactly. And it helps to highlight, I suppose, the story that we need to be protecting these animals out in the wild as well, because not only do they, they kind of, yeah, they end up in situations where they have all these issues and those issues are caused by us. 
we ha- can't avoid that fact the plastic wasn't there put there by sharks to trick the turtle into do it it was put there by us um yeah. so and especially when it comes to the oceans it's something that i think both of us spent a long time talking to people about at the at deep sea world where we worked it just it's so frustrating that all of these issues are caused by us and there's still people who go out there and litter and they throw things away and they don't recycle and they do these things so if you're listening to the podcast please for april and all of april's family and all of these other things uh, just recycle please 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 it's it's not hard just i don't know use less plastic use get a not a, a kind of multi-use bottle that you can take everywhere that you go um just don't be yeah i'm gonna stop now because i can feel myself <laughs> getting too passionate about this but i just yeah. love that like the passion point there was think of april do it for think april, april. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important because it really annoys me and having been on a beach watching baby turtles be born and i know that's a very privileged position to have been in and not everyone will have seen this and you just I just formed this extra connection and I just love them so much and I just want people to be nice to the turtles and but to in the, there, there's another important role of zoos and aquariums because people unfortunately most of the time need to feel that they have a personal connection with something to be bothered mm-hmm. about the cause. So when people see an animal like April and then they hear her story and they fall in love with her, then it it makes it more personal because it's not just, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, use less plastic to save the sea turtles. And people are like, oh, what sea turtles got to do with me? But once they've gone out and seen April and made that connection, then, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes it more personal and they can think, oh, me not throwing away this plastic bottle or whatever is directly helping this lovely animal, you know? So Mm -hmm. it, it gives people that little personal touch that they need sometimes to get a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. and they can get it through documentaries i suppose as well um mm-hmm. but if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you could afford a ticket to go and see and form this extra connection mm-hmm. go and see april and support the sea life kind of conservation and donate to charities and do these things because yeah forming that connection really really helps i'm i don't know why i'm now thinking about i don't know if anyone's been watching the green planet documentary at home i've fallen in love with moss balls jody i i don't know why <laughs> But forming a connection is very important. And it's gotten to the point, I have a moss ball and I bought it before, um, but now I've heard their story and I now will talk about this moss ball like it's my child. So forming a connection is an important thing. And I've just revealed myself to be a crazy person. We're going slightly off on a tangent, but yeah, very important (laughs) tangent at the same time. So veering back onto course, (laughs) I think we should move on. Um, And yeah, so Bay of Rays, really, really cool. Conservation message, excellent. and I then came on, there was other tanks in this area and there was another little area tucked off behind the Bay of Rays, which was, had clownfish, it had pufferfish, but the star was the mantis shrimp. Ooh. And have you seen my pictures of a mantis shrimp? Like, have you seen, that it was the one, it was the one with the weird eyes and it was all blue and pink and red and stuff. It was very rainbow. I've seen these very yet. Cool. I'm going to, I'll send them across to you. Mantis shrimp. Please do. I, I was like, I think I'm on hallucinogenics. That's the kind of, because it was a very, the glass was curved. So this thing looked huge and it was like, it was peering into my soul. Um, And it was kind of bent, you had to bend down to see. It was very bizarre, but it was fantastic and wonderful. And again, a charismatic thing that I'd never seen anywhere else. And I loved it. Um, I've since done some research. Apparently they pack one hell of a punch. They can really Mm. hurt even a human if they go for you. Um, So really, really bizarre things. Their eyesight is really crazy and strange um really interesting big highlight for me because i'd never seen it before star of this area sorry nemo sorry all of the clownfish 
you were sat there my family were stuck at you because they were being very basic and going for the basic. <laughs> I, I was going right for the mantis shrimp um and it was very very cool I really enjoyed seeing that um and kind of a bit strange um something mm. that you don't see everywhere so I really really liked that um Love as well that. really really cool yeah um and I suppose to give to be fair to Nemo and his friends, there were hundreds of clownfish. It was very cool to see. And mm. again, another conservation message about the pet trade. Just because you see Finding Nemo does not like, does not make it okay to go and <laughs> buy clownfish. Um, mm-hmm. I think things like Regal Tangs and clownfish, after Finding Nemo and Finding Dory came out, they obviously became very popular. And a lot of the times, if you're buying these from non-reputable sellers, these animals do have links directly to the wild where they've just been taken um, and not bred in a sustainable way. Not So just be careful if you're going to buy uh, clownfish where you're going to get them from. Um, so yeah, that's a little conservation message that comes along with them. But mm-hmm. uh, as I say, star of the area, mantis shrimp for me I have, personally. Uh, I do have one question before we move on from this mm-hmm. area. Not sure if you'll know the answer, but do you happen to know what kind of puffer fish were in with them? So they weren't in with them. They were in uh, a different tank um, across the bit, the mm. little area. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head what type of pufferfish it was. I don't think they were the ones with spines. They weren't a type of spine, but I can't off the top of my head remember. I'm very, very sorry, listeners and Jodie. Why, 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 why do you ask? I just love pufferfish. They're just another one that I just always love. So I'm just always interested to, because I think, you know, we've, especially from working at Deep Sea and then like we've seen so many from teeny tiny ones to like huge Mm -hmm. ones. So I just always think they're really cool and they're just another one of those ones that I'm just kind of fascinated with. So yeah, just a point of interest. If anyone listening knows because they've been to Loch Lomond or maybe you work there, please comment and let us know what kind of pufferfish you have because you'd make this gal very happy yeah oh well th- thank yeah excellent thank you very much for uh <laughs> sharing your love there um i don't know really where i'm gonna take that uh just uh yeah puffer fish lovers out there um pipe fish lovers out there uh jody <laughs> jody's your gal um, <laughs> <laughs> um so yes moving uh on from there th- this is when we went for a coffee um and something i think aquariums sometimes like to position themselves in the best places in the world to have coffee because the coffee shop here well to start the coffee shop at st andrew's aquarium for example you look over the west sands of st andrew's an iconic Mm. beautiful scottish landmark deep sea world's cafe you look up at the fourth bridges the Mm -hmm. fourth um, rail bridge iconic landmark and here you look up loch lomond this expanse that goes on forever on a foggy day i don't imagine you'd have a very good view but for (laughs) the day we went you could see forever and ever and ever and ever and the cafe itself was no different from any other standard zoo or aquarium cafe it was mm-hmm. the standard prepackaged sandwiches coffee that kind of stuff but the view made it amazing and i loved it and we sat and just had a quick juice coffee and then yeah um it was just fantastic it was fantastic fantastic loved it it's a good point um, though because i guess if you think about it most aquariums don't really have windows um or they kind of have the mm-hmm. underground feel in the case of deep sea it sort of feels like it literally is underground because it's underneath the car park um Mm. so yeah like it makes sense that if you're like on the uh, next to a beautiful landmark you want to make the most of that and the only opportunity i guess they have to do that is in the cafe because it's probably the only place that has windows so it makes sense why a lot of them do that i hadn't thought of that before but yeah that does make a lot of sense yeah so it's strange that the layout of the aquarium and to kind of come back to circle back from the beginning so it's this big sphere 
Um, and so on the ground level, you have all the live exhibits. In the middle level, you have um, this cinema, which was playing Octonauts, which is a children's TV show. So I was like, nah, uh, not for me, <laughs> which is good for the kids, I suppose, not for me. And then on the top level, you have these kind of uh, this cafe. And then above that, there's a viewing point as well. So yeah, they really make the most of the design to get the best view from the cafe. And then all the way down, they kind of, yeah. And there was windows in with in the otter area, so they were getting natural light in, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a an odd. Yeah, I can't remember where I was going. I lost my train of thought there. It was it was a really nice view. Basically, what I'm trying to say is clever design, nice mm. view of Loch Lomond. Felt very there should have been bagpipes kind of view. Um, really nice, really really beautiful, beautiful view. Um, but yeah, we didn't buy much from the cafe, so I don't feel like I can assess that. Fully, hmm. but it was a nice view at least yes. um yeah um and yeah that kind of brings us almost to the end because after the cafe this is when we got confused slightly because i had known before we went that there was a tropical tunnel but we hadn't seen it so we were kind of mm. a bit confused as to where it could be so we went downstairs and it was yeah it was kind of tucked away behind the bay of rays and in between it and the kind of interactive area which was fine but it meant that I just I had no idea where like I, it was so tucked away that we hadn't noticed it the first time and mm -hmm. it was just a bit strange so but uh, having said that once we did find it fantastic I would say the one of the highlights of the aquarium I love a tropical tunnel because I think tropical fish and tropical sharks and tropical things are quite colorful and bright and so being surrounded by them in this nice kind of underwater space was fantastic they had shark species like black tipped riff blah, 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 black tipped reef sharks they had all sorts of different rays the kind of leopard i can't remember the exact name but it was a leopard ray that had kind of these beautiful spots it had um, they had hammerhead type sharks really fantastic really really cool tropical tunnel great way to end it and i'm so glad we found it because we could have spent an hour easily well i'm a i'm a fish a fish boy so i could have stood there for hours <laughs> and my, maybe my family couldn't have maybe they could have managed 10 15 minutes but i could have stood there for hours looking and appreciating just how fantastic this area was i loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it really great made my sister come back around and get photos of me in it just great loved it um 10 out of 10 I don't really know. I've not really said much about it because, <laughs> but just know it's fantastic. Um, loved it. <laughs> yeah, I just really, really loved it. Um, it was yeah, it was fantastic. I yeah, loved it. And so then, did the did the tunnel then take you to the exit? Yes. So right into the gift shop. That was the okay. last thing, and it was a really good last impression because you leave with quite large, interesting charismatic popular species so people who maybe had been waiting for a big shark or whatever it was they see then the black tip reef shark or they see the hammerhead type shit like they see these things that they've kind of been waiting for and it's been building up to this moment of shark um, mm -hmm. which i mean sharks of course are slated by some people loved by others and so i think leaving on them is a really but i think overall people like to see them so it's a good mm -hmm. thing to leave on um another conservation message from a former aquarium worker don't eat shark fin soup, please. We'll not go into it in this episode. We're going to cover more aquariums. We've already done a lot of conservation messages. So let's focus on the plastics and the uh, saving April for now. We'll circle <laughs> back to sharks on our next aquarium episode because I have thoughts on people's, mm -hmm. the people's perception of sharks. Um, but yes, uh, really good to end on because they are fantastic, wonderful, amazing creatures. Lovely. 
Before I come to my last thing, which is to ask about your two stars and a wish, do you have any mm-hmm. final things that you'd like to mention? Bonus stuff, as yeah, listed bonus. on my, my notes, bonus stuff. There's quite mm-hmm. a few bonus stuff. So oh, okay. I've kind of talked about the guidebook throughout. Would recommend, nice purchase, good photos, doesn't have a map, so that's maybe a point deducted, um, would be nice. Also slightly more specific information about the tanks you're going to see, because it has a lot of good information about the sea life kind of organization and trust thing like because they own a lot of aquariums they have a Mm -hmm. lot of general stuff but i feel like i could take this guidebook to london aquarium or i could take it to any other and it would still be fine Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of it's it's maybe not specific enough but still very nice um yeah i'd I'd say overall second point that i'd made would i've written down for bonus stuff um is the aquarium is small we were around it in about an hour and a half, two hours. I don't think that's a bad time to spend in an aquarium because they are usually a bit smaller. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's bad, but it is. aquariums do tend to have a more expensive ticket price. So ra- make that make that economic decision in your mind before you commit. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people go in to an aquarium spending 15, 16, whatever the price is, pounds. Um, and they then expect it to be as long an experience as a zoo, like a full day. Mm-hmm. And aquariums, no, no matter where you go, are not that. They are never, ever yeah. a full day ticket. Um, yeah. But so it was nice to have, like, I didn't mind the price, but just be aware for the price it is small, I would say. I don't know. Do you have it? Like, we worked in an aquarium. I don't know if you have any thoughts on yeah, price no, to I mean, you pretty time much, ratio. Yeah, you pretty much summed it up there. Like, I think people need to have realistic expectations about aquariums because often they are not that much cheaper than zoos, but a zoo you will spend the whole day in and aquariums generally you mm. won't. You know, like when we worked at Deep Sea, there was a lot of sort of talks and feeds and events on throughout the day to try and, you know, give people things to, to do mm. to spend more time there. But um even with those things you know you're generally not going to be there all day uh, even you know huge aquariums you know pl- other places in the world some of the biggest ones in the world you still probably wouldn't be there all day just because of the nature of them um so yeah i think people need to kind of alter their their expectations a little bit and just know that that's the case for most aquariums um and then people sometimes would say well why are they so expensive then but you know from a sort of commercial aspect attractions have to keep their prices in line with other similar attractions sea life obviously is a chain so you've got to think there that the price is going to be set against all the other ones around the uk um and also aquariums are very expensive to run like i don't i think people think oh it's just a few tanks of fish you're just chucking some fish food in there nah not at all like the running costs for aquariums are hefty like it wouldn't surprise me if some of them are actually probably more than zoos so i think people sometimes don't don't quite think about that but from former aquarium people give the aquariums a break because there's a lot more i think (laughs) aquariums there's always a lot more going on behind the scenes than what you're seeing necessarily on the visitor facing side of things um so yeah so just just something to to be aware of but yeah i do i think it's a good point so what other bonus bonus facts did you have Mm -hmm. i think just to interrupt you slightly i think it is interesting as well to mention that um Oh no, I was going to make a really good point. Um, <laughs> it was something to do with pricing and being nice. Oh, my point always when people, that's just what it is. My point always when people came to visit us was when you go to a zoo, you don't have to filter all of the air that every animal in that place breathes. Yes. But at an aquarium, 
you have to make sure that that air is the, the water is filtered constantly it's all at the right salt level all at the right ph level all at the right so there's extra things that go on and extra complications which kind of justify ticket price that was the point i was going to make um, and also what justifies the ticket price was the final thing I was going to say. Um, and the final positive thing, I think, ending on a high is the Sea Life Trust. So mm-hmm. the Sea Life Trust is the organization that kind of, I think, takes some of the money from the Sea Life Centers. They earn money to support a beluga whale sanctuary. They have a, a, a seal sanctuary as well in the UK. Um, I can't remember where the beluga whale sanctuary is. It's gone out the top of my head. But obviously, where belugas are, there is a sanctuary. Um, And it's a really fantastic, I think, way to... And I think what all aquariums and um, zoos should be doing, funneling money into charities that support um, animals out in the wild. Mm -hmm. Excellent work. They also work with reducing marine plastics and increasing marine protected areas, um, all sorts of things. And so, yeah, that's a nice bonus that I think underlies everything there. And it's perhaps why they had the conservation messages with the seahorse kind of really drilled in and with the turtle really drilled in. They support these projects. They want people to know about it. And I think there's no problem with that because it is a fantastic good cause that is underlying the whole organization. And so if you're ever complaining about the ticket price or whatever, just remember that is the what's going on in the background. And that's what these things are supporting. And mm. I think, yes, a fantastic fantastic thing um to end on and i suppose yeah a nice nice way to end i think uh yeah lovely well my final question then before we wrap up because we've been talking for almost an hour i love how with this Mm -hmm. we were like it's an aquarium so it's smaller than a zoo so we won't talk for as long and also like only one of us was actually at it so we definitely won't talk for as long but we've still managed (laughs) to talk for almost an hour um i think we're just gonna have to accept that's always the way it's gonna be um but my final question would be your two stars and a wish what were they okay star number one mm-hmm. mantis shrimp because okay. <laughs> so cool so bizarre so strange loved it felt like it was looking into my soul it was a spiritual experience 10 out of 10 <laughs> loved it love a mantis shrimp um and i'd never seen it before and i thought it was something unusual which i thought was really cool so that is star number one um star number two harder to pin down I love the otters. I love the turtle story. I loved all of these things. I think if I was to make it more general, I would say I loved the the, the conservation message that was woven throughout the aquarium would be okay, my second star. Good. Because, yeah, I think sometimes you go to aquariums and that not isn't necessarily the focus. Um, they tend to be smaller. They Some of them are independent and so don't support these things necessarily. This one certainly does. So it was nice to have that kind of woven in and throughout the experience um with april with the um the seahorses with the sea life trust you always felt like there was some purpose to these animals being here and some educational bonus for it and i I really appreciate that and I, i like walking away from somewhere knowing that i've had a good day but also we've done a good thing as well it's a nice bonus absolutely so that's my second star Mm mm-hmm and finally, oh, yeah, <laughs> I do want to say, but I never like seeing bad things because I'm always I think I'm going to be the one on this show who's always like, I didn't get to. It was it was too short. I would have loved it to be even longer because I enjoyed it so much. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, trying to find a, a good way to frame things, my my um, feedback. Um, overall, there was very little things I would change. I think it was just the trying to find my way around was sometimes not the most obvious and it would be easy to miss things so just be aware of that Mm -hmm. um 
obviously you do have to go out through the tropical tunnel. You do have to, if there was a flow of people on a busy weekend, maybe it would have been okay. But just going on a quiet day, it wasn't entirely clear. So that maybe would be be my wish, I suppose. Okay. Um, I would like it to be longer, but that's just me being greedy. Um, but over so overall, I would say my one wish would be slightly better signage in terms of getting around, which I don't think is a bad thing. No. And also, second thing, I love I like the cinema idea on the middle floor. We didn't talk about it a lot because it was just oh, showing yeah. up to not, which is not my vibe. Well, I was um, going to ask, like, why was there a reason why that was what was playing? Um, and also, is that what's always playing, or do they switch it up between stuff for kids and stuff for adults? Like, well, the it was the there? Octonauts Theatre, so I imagine it's always Octonauts, and they have some kind of sponsorship, which is fine. Interesting. Yes, but not for for me particularly. So maybe no. if I had kids, it would be good, and it would be like the equivalent of like putting them on a ride while I go and get a coffee, like yeah. whatever. Like it's like somewhere to sit them down and like chill them for ten minutes, and it would add a lot of time, I suppose, to your visit if you were to sit down and watch a couple episodes of a cartoon. But yeah, not necessarily for me. So maybe yeah, one like would, I think that yeah. is like it's a really valuable thing for families who've got kids. But then mm-hmm. if you're there without any kids, that's a whole section of the building that's nothing to do with you. So almost yeah. it would make more sense if they sometimes had kids shows on, but then sometimes they were playing other things that would be of interest to mm-hmm. adults. You know, have some sort yeah. of viewing schedule just so that it changes up a little bit that might be yeah. an interesting way to go yeah especially because the films that they produced downstairs for the sea chart and everything were such high quality maybe just mm-hmm. screen those or screen mm-hmm. and screen an equivalent where it's a set place for watching them because obviously yeah. these films as you go around are on tv screens that you're kind of being pushed past a little bit as you walk around if it was busy and there was a flow you wouldn't have a chance to stop and look at them otherwise you'd clog the hall so maybe yeah maybe put them in there as well i don't know maybe they were playing and i just opened the door saw a kids animated show and went nope and <laughs> turned around too fast um but like yeah maybe uh something like that would be good so I've, I've i've maybe put two wishes in but i could add more stars i could add way more stars so take that as it as it will to many more starfish there <laughs> to, to my thing we actually uh, got through that without too many fish puns which I'm, I'm quite impressed with us for that because I really thought we were going to just be throwing them in left, right, and center. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one, but I can't. Like, no, I, no, we don't. We don't need to think of one. We're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I think I almost pushed my sister on the over the edge when we got back in the car to drive away, and she, <laughs> she started playing from her Spotify, and I went, "Oh, Lana Del, Stingray." Uh, and she was like that's not even funny i'm like well it's not funny but i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> so yeah we do love a pun but yeah i think we'll we'll leave it there before because it is going to be that quality from now on otherwise um, <laughs> so yeah those are kind of all of my thoughts i guess the last thing we have to do is me i i wanted to leave a word because um what is the one word to sum up my experience is something that i think we should like to do and um with chester the, the word was obviously bar because mm. the bar was set exceptionally, exceptionally high. Mm-hmm. And this is a very different experience. So it's hard to compare it to that. It's not bar. It's not, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's a bar level for aquariums. Mm-hmm. Not to be shady. It was very nice, but I don't know if for that, I didn't leave it in the kind of in all like state that I left Chester. But that's obviously a very different place. So maybe I would say the one word for Loch Lobend, sea life would be Bonnie. That's it. On the oh, bo- <laughs> there we go. On the bonnie bonnie banks of Loch Lomond is a very bonnie, maybe two bonnies. It's maybe bonnie bonnie. 
<laughs> maybe bonnie bonnie aquarium and i loved it very much and yeah that's kind of my one or two words for uh for sea life lovely well thank you very much for telling me all about it i've never been but i mean now i feel like i have been I feel like i was on the journey with <laughs> I know. my voice is going because i feel like i've just spoken at you for an hour <laughs> well to be I fair for for anyone wondering, I have come down with a bit of a sore throat, which is why perhaps my energy is a bit lower than it would normally be. <laughs> um, but it worked out quite well because it then meant that Jack could just do all the talking. Um, so right. it fit for this episode. Uh, but yeah. yes, thank you for telling me all about it. Yes, thank you very much. And I guess that leaves us now to wrap up. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to all of the Rizus so far. The feedback has been so nice. The episodes have been doing so well. We love you all very, very much. We appreciate you all very, very much. My voice is now truly going. I'm not crying, I promise. I am just like breaking down my throat. Uh, <laughs> but thank you all so, so much for that support. It's fantastic. I also want to say, if you want to keep up to date with the show, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We are at Pangolin Podcast. So find us on there. Also, make sure to subscribe to us on your podcast streaming service of choice because we will be doing more of these resus. We have many planned. We're going to spend far too much money traveling up and down the UK this year going to zoos. Um, so make sure and tune in for that um, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And yes, I think that's everything I needed to say. Thank you again, Loch Lomond, for being fantastic. Um, the National Park and the Aquarium. And yes, on that note, I suppose we can both say... Um, a very well thank you to you jody and also uh, and thank you to all of you for listening and goodbye bye <laughs>